over the course of human history. There's been Noah's Ark, savior of mankind. St. Francis of Assisi, foregoing his wealth to be savior of all animals. And Curtis Sliwa, guardian angel and savior of New York City, protecting both man and beast. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. From bipeds to quadrupeds and everything in between. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. This is the most listened to of the many hours that I conduct here at WABC all week long, the Animal Welfare Hour, starring Nancy Sliwa who has been involved in animal rescue with uh, many others out listening now who volunteer their time to help the furry little creatures, many of whom reside with you. They are your friends, your family members, and those who may reside outside. And we bring to you the stories that affect the animal community both here regionally, nationally, and throughout the world. Uh, The benefit here is that after uh, having had this broadcast for over a year, Our owners and operators of our parent company, Red Apple Media, John and Margot Katsimatidis, who uh, really love animals. In fact, when John ran for mayor in 2013, he was the first candidate ever to have as part of his platform no-kill shelters. It's something that I took uh, as a part of my platform when I ran for mayor just two years ago. Uh, And so there is uh, an understanding that there's a lot to be done in the animal world and in the animal community. And this hour is going to be nationally syndicated from coast to coast across the nation to help a lot of other people with their animal welfare issues. Uh, But it's interesting. uh, Tonight, some of the stories that we're bringing to you are a reflection of what has just gone on in terms of the NFL playoff football and those teams that have qualified for the Super Bowl two weeks from now. Uh, We have uh, in one corner... We have the Kansas City uh, Chiefs uh, with uh, Taylor Swift and all the Swifties who beat the Ravens and the San Francisco 49ers who looked like they were losing on their home field in the Bay Area, pulled it out against the Detroit Lions. Those are the two teams, and both are involved in stories in animal welfare. Story number one, and this is something we've heard from many of our callers, Nancy, is that I care more about my animals than I care about my family members, my children, my grandchildren, because my animals are more concerned about me. The only time I ever hear from my children or grandchildren is when they want money for me or they want favors from me. And there is a huge story that has come to light in which finally somebody has said enough is enough. Oh, So you're not going to pay attention to my needs in my older years? You get nothing in the will. It goes goes all to the animals. Yeah, so this is a story about a woman uh, living in Shanghai who cut her three children out of her will, and she's planning to leave a $2.8 million fortune to her cats and dogs as they've been the only comfort in her older age. How much? $2.8 million. And this is in Red China, mainland China, Shanghai, where we've done stories about how the Red Chinese can be very cruel towards animals. And yet we've also heard stories where, especially when it comes to cats, 
the Red Chinese view them uh, in a historic way. In fact, remember in the midst of COVID and the lockdown, uh, first uh, coronavirus and then COVID-19, the, the thing that bothered the Red Chinese the most was that the government, remember, took the cats yeah. of people in bags yes. and killed them. Yeah, I remember that. And people went into the streets, not for the people who were being killed in Red China, yeah. but for the cats that were being taken out of households and killed because the Red Chinese government believed at that time that maybe they were spreading the coronavirus, the first virus of that. How much money, again, is she leaving to her dogs and cats? So $2.8 million. And apparently what happened was several years ago, she had, you know, created a will that included the, the children in it. But, you know, she recently had changed her mind because she had second thoughts about it. But the laws that exist in Shanghai, they don't allow you to leave money directly to a pet, which I think probably would be um, similar here as well. But the money uh, that she used to care for her, her pets and their offspring was left to a local veterinarian clinic. Um, they're appointed as the administrator of the inheritance and the trust. So, you know, by virtue of having to appoint someone, she didn't even feel comfortable enough appointing one of her kids to oversee the money for the animals. So she, you know, sort of has an independent, um, you know, like, uh, I'm not going to say it's not a conservator, but, you know, someone who's going to um, judge, who's going to put the assets to their use. And, of course, there's a, you know, this isn't the first time. Obviously, there's a lot of people who have left money, their vast fortunes to their animals because... That's how close they feel to them. So, I mean, I mean it's not, not um, the most typical scenario, but I can certainly understand. I mean, there's a lot of people who try to account for their animals within their, their will because, let's face it, what happens is if people pass away, I've seen a number of animals who just get um, dropped off at the shelters because, oh, the family doesn't want to care for them. So, you know, you have to account for your animals. So, I mean, that's, that's one way to do it, leave everything to them. This reminds me, slowly I turn step by step. She was from Poland. She was basically taking care of people's bedrooms, living rooms, you know, basically a cleaning lady. She met Harry Helmsley, one of the wealthiest realtors in all of New York City. And all of a sudden she became, you remember, Mrs. Helmsley. Yeah. Leona Helmsley, who was quoted as saying only little people pay taxes and she went to jail for that. She bequeathed all her money, remember, to her pet yeah. mm-hmm. who, who had to be driven all the way to her mansion in Connecticut. Each, all of her money was bequeathed to her pet. And now, God forbid anything should happen to her. She is like uh, the time person of the year, Taylor Swift. Oh, my God, we're going to have to deal with more of this in the Super Bowl because the Kansas City Chiefs won. The world's richest animal is her cat. She has already bequeathed millions and millions of dollars. Should anything happen to her? Yeah, but the question is, who, who's, who did the cat leave their, their money to in case something happens to them? But she's <laughs> in, this, in this initial will she has. Well, I mean, again, it, it makes sense. She's clearly a, a huge animal advocate, and that's the way to do it. I mean, you have to take care of them financially. Everything to her cat. Yeah. The richest cat in the world. Yeah, good for that cat. We cannot <laughs> escape Taylor Swift and all the Swifties. There's just no escaping them. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Although you're right, it would have been better if she would have just left it to actual organizations that help lots of cats instead of just one cat. Well, so. look, we have seen a number of high-profile women 
who have done exactly that. Doris Day. Doris Day who ended up uh, living uh, in Palm Beach in California and had an animal sanctuary where she bequeathed all her money to, took care of all kinds of animals. And then recently from Golden Girls, uh, that was uh, Frank Morano's all-time favorite pinup queen. I think she died at 100 years oh, old. Oh, no, yeah, Betty White. She was like a few, like two weeks away from turning 100. Oh, oh I mean, Frank Morano's on the other side of midnight, Monday through Fridays from uh, 1 to 5. He's like all for touch about her. He actually had full posters of Betty White on the walls. And on the ceiling, need I tell you anything more when this guy was a total mamaluke, a total slug. But she was totally into animal rights. She bequeathed all of her money to her animal sanctuary. Yeah, and, and she was great, too, because throughout her entire career, she was constantly promoting them and promoting rescuing them, uh, spay neuter. She would bring them on shows. I think for a while she had um, something on television, you know, for, but, you know, to bring attention to that as an important issue is... is... Yeah, she was on Phil Donahue for a whole hour. Oh, and what about Bob Barker? Bob Barker, yeah. of course. The great Bob Barker, who, by yeah. the way, uh, as I take away from Frank Morano, uh, one of the greatest interviews I ever heard him do with Bob Barker. He did a number of interviews with Bob Barker. They were amazing. And uh, also the Bayonne bleeder Chuck Webner. That was my all-time favorite Frank Morano interview. Chuck Webner. Now, he had nothing to do with animals, but I had to throw that one in because it was a great interview. It made me laugh. I learned things. And the guy didn't sound like he was punch drunk. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Now, just as we spoke of Taylor Swift and the Kansas City Chiefs beating the Baltimore Ravens, they will be in the Super Bowl two weeks from now. The San Francisco 49ers were losing at home against the Detroit Lions. It looked like the Lions would be taking on the Chiefs. And the 49ers pulled it out in the end, and it works out for animal welfare. And maybe this is why the San Francisco 49ers beat the Detroit Lions, because of puppy therapy? Yeah, so uh, prior to the game, they had a session with a number of puppies who are from the Humane Society of Silicon Valley. So basically, they did like the equivalent of like a puppy therapy uh, they visited the 49ers to calm them down before the game. So this was actually done to get their minds a little bit, you know, more relaxed and focused. And obviously it, it had a it had a good effect because, you know, they won. Wait a second. You mean they tried a holistic homeopathic approach. They brought little puppy dogs into the locker room with the San Francisco 49ers while they were preparing to take on the Detroit Lions. We're not talking about Rottweilers, Pitbull Terriers. No, 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 no. Uh, we're talking about little fluffy little puppy dogs, right? Yeah, little puppy dogs. And, you know, and again, this isn't the first time that the 49ers, um, you know, had actually uh, made this sort of a alignment with animals because as of 2018, they became the first NFL team to adopt an emotional support animal. So they have a French bulldog named Zoe, which is an emotional support. And, and again, now this is, you know, sports science finds that this is actually true. Animal therapy, it's not just, um, uh, you know, psychological benefits. Like, you know, it feels, you know, in your head, you feel relaxed. It's physiolo- physiological benefits, so stress reduction. So these are all elements to, you yeah, know, really... This, this calms you down. This makes you like people and like animals. You're getting in the gridiron there. You want to kill the guy on the other side of the line. You want to break the leg of the quarterback. You want to destroy the opposition. 
Yeah, but it's also like relieving stress. There is also the anxiety. You know, you don't, I mean, let's face it, you've seen really good players where when it comes down to it, they just they can't pull it together. So are there's you, something that are happens Are you suggesting that if the New York Giants years ago had had puppy therapy in the locker room before the game, LT would not have broken the leg of Joe Theismann, who was the quarterback of the Washington Redskins? I wasn't making that bold of a claim, but maybe. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And somewhere in Long Island, probably not far from where you were raised, out in Bohemia in Suffolk County, apparently this guy had 100 animals, including exotic endangered species, species that finally were seized, I guess, by the local version of the ASPCA and brought to sanctuaries. A hundred animals? Yeah, over a hundred animals, and apparently he's into the exotic types of animals, uh, different endangered species. So he did have uh, several of these ostriches, and actually what's kind of interesting about that is that he claims that he came upon them one night when he was drunk and going. he was on eBay, and he just ordered some ostrich eggs, and they arrived, and they've hatched, so... That was his explanation for that. But unfortunately, he has all of these animals that are not legal to have. Um, he was cited with multiple fines, uh, thousand, thousands of dollars. Um, you know, the animals were, were taken away. So it's almost claiming that he was a, like an unlicensed exhibitor, which I guess you'd have to be with that many types of animals. Uh, but the Humane Long Island Society has taken the animals. Uh, clearly, that's not their purview to be dealing with exotic animals, but they're going to be you know, finding different uh, sanctuaries for them. But, I mean, again, now this is a regular, you know, house in Long Island, and it has over 100 exotic animals, uh, including ostriches just walking around. Now there's some breaking news here. I'm not privy to it. Uh, Maybe our very dear friend Robert Holden, uh, who is the councilman from Middle Village and Glendale and Maspeth is. But apparently, uh, I guess... uh, 200 animals were rescued from a building on Woodhaven Boulevard just hours ago. And this comes on the heels of rescuers saving 34 cats in that uh, same Queens area uh, because of an animal welfare problem. We don't know the specificity of this. We don't know if it was uh, either a pet shop or anything like that. That's a tremendous number of animals to be in any one facility. So you had 100 out there in Long Island. You had 200 on Woodhaven Boulevard, 36 in another area of Queens. Yeah, the one you're talking about, the 36, I, I was actually, I saw videos of that too. I mean, this was r- really horrific. Um, you know, they were actually um, kicked out of this building by being shoved out the windows. So they were on the, the sides of the buildings. These rescuers had to come in with ladders to try and get some of these, I mean, imagine frightened cats. It's I mean, yeah, I mean, this, they were horrifically injured by, because they were thrown out of these windows. And again, the, the goal is always, oh, rescue the animals, rescue the animals. But it's the prosecution of the people who are doing this that is always the part that's dropped. And that's what keep, keeps it perpetuated. Now, you've dealt with a lot of these issues, both as a lawyer and as an animal rights activist. Are these people generally who are emotionally disturbed, who end up hoarding these animals? Uh, are they just... Uh people who uh, are sadistic towards animals, what, what, what would you say? What are the different kind of profiles that you've, you've determined from these actions? Yeah, that's a good question. I, w- I mean, the, the top abusers, I would say, are really the people who are the breeders because they have the least, um, you know, direct 
involvement and caring for them in the right sort of ways. You know, they'll have them caged up. They're literally have, a, you know, one mother who's consistently creating puppies that are then sold uh, way too young of age, you know, to people, um, you know, for high prices. So, you know, a lot of times these animals are sick. There's no recourse. So I'd say that's um, one of the situations you just find those numbers because the only way you can really keep those numbers is if you have them in these, like, little cages. Um, in, in terms of the hoarders, I mean, I think there's a lot of people who uh, will take on the responsibility, as it were, to care for animals. I don't think the hoarding thing is a really, in many instances, a purposeful thing. I think it's just people not realizing uh, the extent to which they can't control a lot of the situations. I mean, because it's one thing. I've seen a lot of animals who were taken from, quote-unquote, hoarding situations. They otherwise seem healthy. So I don't think, you know, strictly the numbers of it, but when it gets to the point where, you know, animals start having infections and then, you know, you run into issues with um, the monetary, you know, like if you have one animal infected, you, you know, there are issues like that where people are just, it, they've bitten off more than they can chew in that situation. Well, the one uh, cat that you saved from being destroyed, uh, executed, uh, euthanized at the Animal Care and Control Shelter of New York City is tiny. <laughs> yeah. Tiny clearly was involved uh, with a hoarding situation. You put food out with Tiny, and it's like it's Tiny's last meal. You know, like she's on death row. It's her last meal. Every time I go to eat something, the first cat to jump on that table and stare at me is Tiny. And if I even hold it up, Tiny will rip it off and try to run away with it like a hoarder, like it, like it was its last meal. The other cats don't do that. Yeah, so it's, it's I, can, a- I can tell it's because of the nature of how it was programmed to survive. Grab whatever you can at that moment because you may not be able to grab any other food for days on end. It took like several, several weeks before Tiny realized that when all the cats were being fed, like that was what when feeding time was like she it was it was the craziest thing she wouldn't even go for the food then she would only go for it when when you would have something independently yeah always taking my food <laughs> that'd be like if i went down on all fours and started to eat out of the bowls of cat food and you would hear them you know how those cats go you think anyway. that's, that's what would happen yes <laughs> and uh, we heard uh, today earlier before we walked over here to the uh, Radio station, uh, our matriarch, Athena, was like growling at all the cats. She wasn't having none of what they were giving her, and we couldn't figure it out. She, the, the cats give out a growl. It's not like a dog growl. But you know damn well they're upset. They let the whole world know that. You better clear out of their way, and you better not eat any kind of a sandwich in front of Tiny because she's going to snatch it up and run away. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. 
As we continue, uh, let's go right to the phones. It's Danny in Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare uh, Show of WABC. Danny. How you doing, Curtis, my buddy, the future mayor? Thank you, Danny. And, and I got to give you props to the first lady, the future first lady, Nancy. Thank you. Yeah, and I want to ask you, Curtis is dismissed for now. I want to ask you a question, Nancy. I have two, and they came back from Maui, Hawaii. I was giving Curtis the reports of boots on the ground. The one of the pugs that I have, a dog, somebody left it, and somebody adopted it for me. I got this pug, and my pugs, they got muscles. They look like little, you know, I don't know, human chimps or something like that. And he... He was 10 pounds. They left him with no food and no water. I'm going to cry. To die. And the house, now he's 25 pounds. But how do you leave, Nancy, I'm asking you, how do you leave a dog with no food? I don't care if it's a cat, a monkey, a dog, whatever it is, a cat. And I don't mean this. And Curtis. This is for Curtis. My dogs are two tough pugs, military service dogs. They wear the uniform, but guess what? They scared S out of cats. Wow. They're scared. Because, and you know what? Nancy's going to hate me for saying this. I had the cat's front claws taken out. I know it's supposed to be dehumane. But they kept ruining my couch. I only had the front ones. They never went outside, Nancy. And like this, every time my dog would walk by the cat, my dogs to this day are scared ass out of cats. Because them cats, they're like Mike Tyson. Pop, 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 pop. They'll hit you ten times. Yeah, no, I've I've actually uh, seen that, Danny, where... Uh, we've seen videos where big strapping dogs would come up on a cat and the cat is so quick with its hands, like a boxer. Bah, 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 jabs. And the, the dog is just like totally stunned and backs off. I mean, certainly size-wise, the cats are at a disadvantage. So I think they like to keep them at bay by, you know, sort of setting the stage that this is what's what's going to come to you if you decide to mess with me. So they tend to be a little bit more aggressive in that sense at the front end. But that, you know, usually the dogs learn very quickly because of that. Like, oh, don't go near if they're don't looking at me. S- don't stick your snoot near a cat because the cat can swipe you so quick and hit you three times before you even realize it. Yeah, and, and again, if they're just swatting them in the face, right, they, they do keep their claws retracted. So that's showing that they're really being nice. They're just trying to teach you. And in reference to his first story about the pug That's, that I, was left with no food, no water. I mean. I if, don't know how anybody can do that to any living creature at all. If you were to find the individuals responsible for that, we know that there are laws that don't even cover those kinds of uh, insensitive reactions to animals. But you take matters into your own hands. You would have to. Break a leg, break an arm of that individual, and they'll remember to make sure they take very and, good care of another, animals in the future. That's another way to teach a lesson. Exactly. Yeah, do it <laughs> Do it the Curtis Lee way, right? It's called pain compliance. 
Let's go to Giuseppe, who's calling from Queens, our uh, special animal welfare hour in full effect, Joe. Yeah, I have a small question um, about animals that take extra long strides. Uh, they say the impalas, the zebras, and the wildebeest can take extra long strides, and the impalas can maintain the highest speed for a mile. And there's some racehorses that supposedly take longer strides than other ones, even at the highest level. And another one thing I would ask you about is these zebras. They say none of them have matching stripes. That you know, no two zebras match up, which is kind of confusing and strange. So, what do you think of uh, uh, Curtis? Have you seen any horses at the track that have extra long strides, or any other animals? Well, let's start with the zebras because Nancy has this propensity to put up on our big screen at home images of animals at water holes in Africa in the Kalahari Desert. And we saw they were all queued up at the water hole. It's a small water hole, and you can tell the surrounding areas of desert. And the moment the zebra pack showed up, everybody else cleared out. I mean, they ran for the hills. And the zebras didn't look very intimidating, but they came as a whole group to water, and then they left. And it's actually interesting because they did have some of the other animals you mentioned, like wildebeest. That actually comes up to the watering hole, too. This is in the African desert. They have a... Uh, you know, like a live cam that's set up on this singular watering hole. And so you see like the porcupine, you see, um, you know, like the, the desert dogs, but there's no question. the one, And then ostriches too, but the ones that they run away from all the time is the zebras. And I mean, from what I see, you know, when they're standing next to each other, they don't ever seem to have the same patterns, you know, when they're next to each other. So I guess my presumption would be they are individual. Well, well Joe, years ago, uh, when I was a kid, they would have the races on television uh, from the trotter track from Yonkers. And I remember that uh, they would have, like, Bob Hayes, the world's fastest human, who eventually ended up uh, playing for the Dallas Cowboys, but he won the gold medal in the U.S. Olympics. And he would run an exhibition against a trotter, and you would see the stride. The stride was a large stride. I know Jesse Owens had done that many, many years before when he won the gold medal uh, in Berlin, Germany. And a number of other athletes would go out on a trotter track and challenge, you know, the trotter, although they didn't start it the same way. They had it figured out. But you, I think the only stride I've ever seen is of the trotters in slow motion. So I'm not necessarily sure thoroughbreds versus trotters. But there's a hell of a long stride there. You imagine racing against, at that time, the world's fastest human, Bob Hayes on the trotter track at Yonkers Raceway. The that, place was packed watching that. Is that the distinction with the trotters, right? I mean, they can run. It's just they can't break stride like legit. Like, that's how it's supposed to go. You just can't break stride during the race? Yeah, if they break stride, obviously, they could break down physically, but they, they are disqualified. Okay. It's a more disciplined kind of a race, although they're all French-Canadian jockeys, and they all cheat like crazy. You go to a trotter track, the old Roosevelt track, or you go to... Uh, Yonkers, and then over uh, in Secaucus. I remember going to one upstate, not too far from Syracuse. Uh, and they had one in Monticello. Cheating. I mean, that's, you think thoroughbreds are cheating? Trotter tracks, the French Canucks, <laughs> cheat, 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 cheat. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. 
Let's go to J.C. who's calling from Pennsylvania. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Hour of WABC, J.C. Hey, thanks a lot, Fleetwood. Uh, it's great that you're together. It's a fantastic show, and I love it. A uh, couple of things uh, right off the bat. So it's a beautiful thing, that lady leaving the $2.8 million for her animals. Now, what type of uh, insurance is there? And I don't mean uh, actual insurance, but assurance that the uh, that vet is going to use the money for those animals or to use them for other animals. Uh, that's one of my questions. Um, the other thing is, the other things are most people don't realize, and I, I try to explain people, but they don't get the concept that animals are truly, as far as pure intelligence is concerned, more intelligent than human beings, okay? For the fact that you don't have to teach an animal all the inherent things, okay? They just learn, they just have it through nature, where human beings have to be taught everything, everything, everything. And my third thing is, why isn't there any federal money available for animal associations? It's ridiculous, okay? We give money away to everything. The study of of birds on cocaine, everything you could possibly think of. There's no money given to animal associations that could do great good. I mean, just think of it with your, the animal, uh, what you were talking about with the, with, you know, having the animals as therapy. Like, they could have organizations that they give money to where they could have these animals for these people in the old old people in homes, uh, people are, who are disturbed. There's just so much things that they can do. And you know, one of my last thing was I don't know if you know about Nancy this this wonderful woman in the Ukraine. Okay, because a lot of people don't don't understand the fact that there's wars and there's people involved, but there's all these animals yeah, that are true. loose. Okay, mm-hmm. there's this wonderful woman who goes around Ukraine feeding all the cats and the dogs and, and adopting or just rescuing the ones that really are in need of rescue. And the same thing has to do with the wood, with Bill Gates, whose beautiful idea is to diminish the carbon uh, footprint by cutting down the trees and forests. How ridiculous is that? And displacing all those animals. Okay? So there's a lot to chew off after what I said. Um, so I want your thoughts on any of that. Oh, well, you, uh, you gave us the Encyclopedia Britannica there. Well, yeah, I would say one thing about in, in terms of the, the will inheritance, yeah, you're right, to, to the point of it being a little bit difficult, I think that is difficult in part because it's not just the animals that she currently has, but it's saying any of the offspring. So, you know, as good-willed as these people might be, it's like now you have a potential of future animals that it's going to be hard to necessarily figure out, did they really come from her original animals? Or maybe these are other animals they're going to throw in the mix to get taken care of, like personal animals. So I think there's a, you know, you got to have some monitors over that. Um, yeah, and you're right, and animal, animals are really intelligent. Um, I would say with the cats, I mean, you don't have to show them how to use a litter box. I mean, people always ask me, oh, how do they know how to use it? You'd be surprised. They know. You put the litter out. They figure it out very quickly. Well, you discuss that woman who has dedicated her life in the war-torn areas of the Ukraine to going out and taking care of the animals that have been so displaced. Uh, There was this siege early on in the war at the steel plant in Mariupol. 
It lasted for days. The Ukrainians were embedded. It was one of the world's largest steel plants. And the Russians just bombed the hell out of it. They were invading it. They were having shootouts inside of it. And the surviving Ukrainian soldiers, when they left, they said their biggest fear was not the Russians who were trying to get into the plant and find them and then shoot them. They'd have shootouts. But the rats who were attempting to attack the Ukrainian soldiers because the rats were so hungry that what saved them from the rats were the cats that were stuck with them in this massive steel plant, the largest in the world. We watched it on TV. People may remember it was a siege of Mariupol for like a month. It was like one of these battles like Stalingrad uh, existed in World War II, you know, all-out destruction. And the surviving Ukrainians said... They were more concerned with the rats, and that's why they were so happy they had cats in there, feral cats in them, deep in the steel plant. Or the rats would have gotten them before the Russians did. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and also all the animals that are, that are now just struggling through what's going on as well. Yeah, it's true. There's so many animals that are being displaced, and, uh, you know, lack of food, lack of water, uh, injuries that are going to go unattended to because— People aren't there to help them. So there's a, a huge, huge impact on the animals living there. I mean, they're struggling right now in all these war-torn areas. And I'll never forget, I went to the oldest pet cemetery that ever existed. I had no idea it was that. I was up near Hartsdale. I was driving by. It said pet cemetery. So I love cemeteries. I got to go see this. Only pets. I'm sure People wanted to be buried with their pets. I think Leona Helmsley uh, is buried with her dogs. But in Hartsdale, it's only the animals. It's an amazing. If you've ever been up there in Westchester, Diana Ross, Mariah Carey, George Raft, they have their pets buried there. They have the tombstones to them. They have little mausoleums. It is absolutely incredible. You're walking through, and they're little tombstones, you know, for dogs, cats, other animals, little mausoleums. It's the world's oldest pet cemetery. If anyone, if you've never been there, if you live up in Westchester, I'll bet you there are people who have been up there in Westchester their whole lives, didn't even know you had the world's oldest, I think hundreds of years old in Hartsdale, exclusive pet cemetery. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. 
Everyone should realize that this Animal Welfare Hour will soon be syndicated by our parent company, Red Apple Media, our owners and operators, John and Margot Katsimatidis, animal lovers themselves, across the nation from coast to coast, coming up in February. Let's go to Janet in Queens. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Janet. Curtis. Hi, Nancy and Curtis. You're wonderful people. I've known you for years. I've been here. You, I voted for you for mayor. Unfortunately, it never happened. This is my, I'm not calling for myself. I'm calling for my friend, Nancy, who a mother cat came and already she had five kittens in her yard, which got big. She tried, she tries to get them. She's been feeding them and feeding them in her she lives in a four-family house, and now the mother, now, my God, they, she came months later, she had another four. Now, she's called so many animal shelters, so many people, no one could help her, and I've been helping her feed, too. It's becoming very expensive, and we are seeing, we're both seniors, okay, and we need, we are wondering, hopefully, that maybe, um, actually, Bill Holden is our councilman. I've tried many times other things uh, many years ago. But anyway, I was hoping, see, I could, I have Nancy's number, and she could tell you more about it. And I was hoping maybe you could have some suggestion or someone that could help trap these poor kittens and take them to a no-kill animal rescue Well, place. I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what we'll do, Janet. Which part of Queens do you live in? We're in Ridgewood, Queens. Okay, I'm very familiar with Ridgewood. Uh, stay on the line. Uh, Matt Blaze, make sure you speak directly to Janet, get all of her contact information. Uh, double check it, Matt Blaze. I don't want to hear that you thought that's what Janet said. You stonard. Uh, Ridgewood. That, yeah, that may be Bob Holden's district. We could get Bob Holden involved. I remember uh, campaigning there for the Polish vote for Robert Holden. A lot of Polish people moved into Ridgewood from Greenpoint. A lot of hipsters and millennials and a lot of old timers like uh, Janet there. And there are those tracks there where they store the garbage trains. Not far from where you lived. What what was that block that you lived on where two blocks away? Oh, Palmetto Street. Palmetto Street. Mm -hmm. That's right there. The railroad tracks over there uh, right before you hit uh, Myrtle Avenue. No, and there are a lot of uh, feral cats in that. Yeah, railroad. I remember, like when I was a kid, we my dad found a cat there, and we wound up naming it Depot. Depot. <laughs> yeah, because the bus depots are there. Yeah. No, I mean because they have the trains there. They're the garbage trains. They lay them up overnight. It's incredible. Every time I've been up there, you can see the cats that they run away because uh, when they see human beings, they run away. But. They're there because, let's face it, they want to try to somehow get into the garbage containers and feast. Because if not, if they don't find people who are willing to feed them, it could be famine for them. So we'll help out, Janet. And again, if you have any of those concerns, uh, how should they reach out to us under normal conditions, Nancy? Um, Well, guardianangels.org. That'll have uh, contact information. And then also uh, email nancy at guardianangels.org. Yeah, for anybody out there, we'll be able to respond to you. In fact, uh, Nancy is in the process, uh, along with James Perona, putting up a brand new animal welfare site exclusive so that we can handle what we know are going to be increased uh, demands, increased uh, uh, requests uh, once this show, this animal welfare show, goes national in uh, February. 
Let's go to Michael in Nassau County. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mike. Hey, Curtis. Hey, Nancy. Uh, you guys are fantastic, as usual. I just want to say, um, first of all, um, the question that I had to Nancy would be about exotic pets. What type of exotic pets can you get in Nassau or in Suffolk? You know, Have you ever had any kind of exotic pets, uh, Michael? No, I have two cats. But, um, are you I'm in the market for exotic like, pets? <laughs> no, no, no. I just think that they need something more like an armadillo or something. Well, you know, you know I, I think, um, por- I think porcupines thing. are considered exotic and you can own them, but then it requires getting a license and I'm not sure the, all the ramifications, but I think a porcupine is technically considered exotic. Porcupine with the quills? Yeah. <laughs> Wow. How about a penguin? Well, not a penguin, because it's not going to work. But, uh, yeah, I'm just like, I don't want to fill out too much paperwork, but I think, you know, something that the cats would, like, be able to chill with. So know? the cats have to be compatible to these exotic animals. Maybe an ostrich? I don't have enough uh, property for that, yeah. A llama, like Michael Jackson like had, that. llama. Then there was Bubbles the Chimp. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, that guy was a freak. Uh, but look at all the animals he had there at Never Never Land. I know. I've seen some cats get along with bearded dragons. Now, it's not quite exotic because you can own them without having a lot of paperwork. But the bearded dragon's really cool because the cats can, like, rub up against them. And they seem to like them. They're very low-key animals, very zen. That could work. Well, we have seen, and again, these are feral cats. Uh, in you managing feral cat colonies all throughout northern Brooklyn, all near the East River. We, when you were feeding them, I remember sticking their heads out from underneath this, this iron covering. We saw not only the cats that knew you because you were feeding them, the outdoor cats, the feral cats, but next to them were possums and raccoons. Yeah. And they were all getting along. As long as they were all getting fed, you put out the cat food and the possums were out there eating the cat food along with the raccoons. Well, you know, in a way, it, it kind of does make sense because the thing that makes them aggressive besides lack of food is usually, um, you know, like the mating element. So if you have another male cat, it probably won't get along with the male cat because it'll be territorial, but it shouldn't have a problem with a raccoon. I mean, they're not competing for the same, you know, stockpile of women, I guess. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Tony in Florida. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Tony. Hi, Curtis. How are you both doing tonight? Oh, doing well. How are you doing, uh, Tony? I know you're in the... I'm doing really good. Yeah, you have those rats in the trees down there in Florida. Yes, little monsters. Um... You know, you were talking about uh, trotters earlier. And by the way, I used to bet on the horses all the time up in Ohio. In the last race, I lost because the trotter broke its stride. But um, I had some interesting facts about them. For people who don't know what a trotter is, most animals, when they run, it'll be like their left hind leg and their right 
front leg and they switch back and forth. Trotters, they use both left legs and both right, then left and right. And the only other animals I know of that are trotters are cats and camels. But anyway, back in the day when humans started to use horses, and they figured this out through DNA, um, the trot is very uncomfortable. If you've ridden a horse, you know that. A gallop, a horse cannot go that long. The same thing with the canter. So what they'd have to do is they canter, then walk, then canter. Then all of a sudden, horses started to show up that could canter, which is a much more comfortable pace. And they started showing up all over the world. And to this day, they're still pacers. Now, if you have horses that are bred and you're breeding a a pacer, chances are it's going to come out a pacer. But if you go out to the Mustangs, where no people ride them, and you have a pacer, chances are it's not going to have a pacer for a foal. So to me, that means God's been like keeping an eye on us, and he saw the problem, and he gave us the pacer. And when the horses are needed for riding, the pacers, you know, vanish, go back to their original gates, and the ones that are ridden still have the pacer showing up. Now, let me ask you a question, Tony. Uh, You mentioned the last trotter track race you were at was in Ohio before you left Ohio for Florida. Uh, You lost, and I bet you it was rigged by those French-Canadian jockeys. I don't know about that. Oh, they're they're all French. I don't care where they are. They could be in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. They could be in Canton, Ohio. Those French Canadian uh, jockeys, they rigged those trotter races. Sort of like when you go see High Lie. You know, the Basques, they used to have the High Lie uh, Stadium in Bridgeport. They used to have it in Hollywood, Florida. And the Basques, they would rig that game. And people would go and gamble on High Lie. And they'd say, it's rigged. The Basques have it all rigged. Well, then hopefully you're picking the right team, right? Oh, no, it's all fixed. <laughs> Just like in the trotter tracks. The French Canadians, they talk to Quebecois back and forth. It's all fixed. It's all fixed. But, hey, there's suckers every five seconds who want to bet. 1-800-848-9222. Now news on the Central Park front. First off, can we have an update on the most famous owl in the history of owls since the PSA, give a hoot, don't pollute, Uh, What became the celebrity owl? Now I see that a bald eagle has made a triumphant return to Central Park. That is absolutely incredible. Uh, Part of what Nancy has on when I walk into the house is she's got on the big screen TV these videos of animal scenes live. And you're focused now on two two eagles, one a male, one a female in a nest somewhere in a gorgeous part of the Sierra Madre Mountains in California, and they've got two eggs uh, that they're taking care of in the nest. It's amazing to watch nature uh, just unfolding live in front of you on a big screen TV. But we've got, we're just a half a block from Central Park. There's an eagle, an American eagle in Central Park. Yeah, so this is an eagle that people recognized. The name is Rover, also because it was initially hatched in Connecticut. So, you know, they put like that little thing on its uh, 
yeah, like one of its claws. So it's actually, um, you know, they can tell from it. So now it's been gone for a few years. They weren't sure what happened to it. And New York had seen a huge demise in in eagles to the point where there was only one breeding pair left. Now supposedly there's roughly 400, but they're not sure why this particular eagle has been gone so long, but they're sort of um, surmising the reason why it came back is because where um, had been living up north a little bit, it's so cold there that the food source had been cut off. So like the lakes, they're frozen over. So this has become a dire time in terms of finding food. So now this is why it's, you know, um, the idea is it's coming back south. It's been in Central Park before, but now with the weather getting colder upstate, you know, it makes sense that it's coming back this one. So that means that's why I've seen so many extra bird watchers in Central Park, you know, with their safari hats, uh, their shorty shorts on, their binoculars going whoop 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 whoop. Yeah, I mean, obviously, seeing a bald eagle in, in New York and Central Park, of course, that's like a, a rarity. And the one that I was talking about, yeah, I watched that. Um, it's uh, like a... Uh, state park in California, and the camera is auto-fixed on this nest of these two uh, paired bonded eagles who've been, we, we actually were, like last year they had eggs, and the eggs, unfortunately, was a huge snowstorm. This mother eagle was falling asleep on top of the snow, falling on top of her, like having to get up on like a foot of snow every morning. Unfortunately, that, that egg didn't make it. Um, now there's two of them. So, you know, it has about 60 to 90, I think 90 days before they hatch. So hopefully these ones make it. Now let me ask you a question uh, about the most famous owl in our lifetime, uh, Flacco. When Flacco was uh, broke out of Stir, uh, the Central Park Zoo, it hung out on the Upper East Side, no problems. Went down to the Lower East Side looking for love in all the wrong places and realized you don't want to be in the grungy Lower East Side. So it left there. And it headed up to our neighborhood, the Upper West Side, where it was labeled a pervert uh, because <laughs> p- people were upset that it was staring into their windows in the apartment buildings. So they labeled poor Flacco a perv. And now I haven't had any other sightings reported of Flacco. There's a whole group of bird watchers out there. All they do with their entire life is follow Flacco around. Apparently Flacco is not interested in leaving Manhattan and continues to occupy areas of the Upper West Side, not far from where we live. Unfortunately, it's been given the uh, the label of being a peeping Tom. A peeping Tom, really? You know, you people up there. Yeah, uh, Flacco, if you're listening to me now, please head over to the Upper East Side. People treated you well there. The Lower East Side, they thought that they could use you for bait in Tompkins Square Park, and then uh, on the Upper West Side, they're calling you a perv and claiming you're a peeping Tom. Any updates on uh, Flacco? Well, in, in spite of those those horrible words, Flacco still lives in the Upper West Side. So uh, spotted as of yesterday uh, on a rooftop in a building, Upper West Side. So, yeah, I mean, so far, Flacco's doing good. Um, sadly, you know, there's no mates for Flacco. That's a problem. He's looking for love in all the wrong places. Nobody around. By the way, uh, how can people track Flacco? They actually have a tracking site for this one owl alone, the most famous owl in the world since the PSA commercial we all grew up with, Give a Hoot, Don't Pollute. Well, you know, it's interesting because there's a, a few people who, uh, you know, are actually like uh, having these threads on their pages um, there's one thing called Manhattan Bird Alert. It's like uh, on Twitter at um, Bird Central Park, 
And that site seems to be grabbing what, you know, independent uh, people are posting as well as, you know, what they're finding. So this seems to be a, like a, a one-stop shop for Flacco updates. I can't tell you. Every time I'm in and around Central Park or I'm walking around the Upper West Side, I see these bird watchers. They stand out. Freaking safari hats on. It's like this ain't the jungle, you know. This ain't the sub-Saharan desert. They got their shorty shorts on, you know. They got their binoculars. And they're like, look at me, I'm a bird watcher. Are you, are you sure you're in Central Park? Yeah. And, and I say, why are you out of the park? We're chasing Flacco. What do you mean you're chasing Flacco? Yeah, we're supposed to be following Flacco. And then they have their little books. Like they're the Committee for the Defense of the Revolution that I saw in Havana. And they're writing down, every time they see Flacco, they write it down. They post it. Do these people have nothing to do with their lives all day? Walking around going, whoop-a-woo, whoop-a-woo. I think you're cuckoo, too. Whoop-a-woo. Now, they are bird watchers and bird lovers. Okay, but they don't like cats. We had very heated discussions. They said, you and your wife, you're cat lovers, huh? You know the number one nemesis the birds are? I said, humans, right? No, cats. <sighs> yeah, well, Flacco has, like, full-time protection, I think, with enough. I mean, Flacco can't do anything in New York City without being watched. So I think Flacco's all right. That's right, and they call him a peeping Tom Perv. Ow. Shame on you out there for labeling him that. <laughs> anyway, if anybody would like to get further information on any animal welfare-related issues, Mrs. Sliwa, how can they get in touch with you, Nancy? Uh, they can go to guardianangels.org or email me, nancy at guardianangels.org. And remember, you don't want to miss Nancy. She'll be joining me to do the deep dive, as she does as an e-attorney, Tuesday 12 to 1 on the Rip and Read. And then so nice she does it twice during the week. She joins me Thursdays, 12 to 1 on Rip and Read. And our number one priority right now is to find out where the money is that Bill de Blasio and his crooked wife Charlene Stove from their non-existent mental health program Thrive. We'll get them. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.